Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Rad Podcast. It is episode 85. I am producer Brandon from the Rob Anybody and Don Show. You can contact us at uh, rad at radradio.com or you can interact with the Rad Podcast group on Facebook. All you have to do is go to Facebook, into the search bar, you type Rad Podcast. That's P R O D C A S T. And uh, join up. Become a prodhead if you haven't already. Uh, it's a pretty cool environment we got going on. A nice community of people that like to share ideas, memes, funny things, sad things, uh, informational things. Uh, it's kind of a safe space. I got set up there for uh, all of you that are uh, such loyal fans of the Rad Podcast. And I do appreciate all of you, each and every one of you, uh, especially today. Because uh, I, I kind of got a, uh, not a rude awakening, but... Uh, I guess it was a, I would say it was a rude awakening. I had some guy uh, come up to me and uh, threaten me uh, to, to look out, to watch my back. Because uh, for circumstances that I'll get into a little bit later, I did talk about this a little bit on the regular show on uh, Monday, August 19th. Um, so if you wanted to go back and, and, and kind of relive the story, I will tell it again later on. Uh, but we got some other things that I wanted to get to. I want to talk about uh, uh, somebody who's looking for some sex advice there. A new relationship, only a month old, and they uh, they want to find out how to get a little bit more freaky. Um, and then there's another uh, couple who are actually looking for some pot advice. They're doing uh, the whole move out of the state thing, and they're trying to figure out how to sleep. And uh, they don't want to take sleeping pills. They want to go the route of the natural way with uh, some THC or even CBD. I've got a couple of suggestions there for them. Um, and before we get all to that... Uh, there's a really great documentary on Netflix called The Family. Um, it's it's a uh, it's it's about a secret organization um, veiled over a Christian group, and this particular documentary really has me scratching my head. And it's mostly because the the filmmaker did an excellent job at portraying both sides. You, normally, when you watch a documentary, you expect it to be a little slanted. Um, I mean, you know, watch Fahrenheit 9/11. That's all anti-Bush, anti-government. Uh, they're all behind it, set it up. You know, you expect that from a filmmaker uh, like that, uh, from a movie like Fahrenheit 9-11. But in most documentaries, they're, they're, they, they should be informational and, and allow you to come to your own conclusion. And so with this one, I'm having a hard time coming to a conclusion. Uh, it, it really boils down to uh, how, how deep you want to go into the rabbit hole and or how much the government really is keeping all of this a secret. Now, before I get into what this whole uh, documentary is about, I wanted to play the uh, trailer for you. I know, audio trailer. I mean, it, it'll it'll resonate. But if you haven't heard of this documentary before, uh, you might be you might be drawn in by the trailer itself. Let's go. In my 20s, I stumbled my way in, and what I found is a secretive Christian organization called The Family that had been hiding in plain sight for over 80 years. This was a group with tentacles around the world. A humble example of leadership that the world has never seen. A breathtaking enmeshment of church and state. There were congressmen, senators, world leaders. And they say it's about faith. But there's a shared understanding that what we're really about here is power. I'd like to single out Doug Coe. Doug Coe and all of his associates. I'm grateful. Doug Coe is the longtime leader of the family. He's the most powerful man in Washington you've never heard of. He said the more invisible you can make your organization, the more influence it will have. Jesus plus nothing 
It's a powerful thing. Using the National Prayer Breakfast, they dispatch representatives to build relationships with foreign leaders. That is exactly the kind of meeting that I would want to exploit. For the family, Jesus says you must go to those who are in positions of power. God always uses imperfect vessels to do his perfect work. President Trump's an imperfect vessel. Jesus is the answer, but Jesus and Capitol Hill don't mix. Because we want our family to stay together. Sounds compelling, right? I mean, when I first saw that trailer, I thought, oh, this is going to be good. It's going to dig down deep into the secrets of democracy and, and America and our government and just to have it all bailed under Christianity. It really got my, my tentacles tickling uh, to, to, to quote the, uh, the, the trailer there. It really did make, make you think, wow, what really is going on behind the scenes? And so I, I started digging deeper into it. And um, so I, I prepared here uh, a little bit of, of what's going on in this documentary here. And I'll, I'll get to it here from the Illuminati. Don't mind Walter. You hear that? Walter, what are you doing? I got my dog Walter here. If you might have, you might have heard him groaning. He's doing a little scratch action. Because I'm such a professional, I want to point that out in the background instead of just pausing the recording. Uh, because you might get some joy out of listening to Walter. I do, but when I'm not recording, lay down. So from the Illuminati to the Freemasons to QAnon. There's no shortage of conspiracy theories trying to explain how power is accumulated and shared in Washington, D.C., but the wide-ranging network of politicians, world leaders, and men of faith that make up the fellowship isn't mere conspiracy theory. It's 100% true. Some of its members are speaking on the record about it for the first time in this new five-part Netflix series called The Family. Um, And the fellowship is also known as The Family, is a highly secretive group of evangelical Christian men who meet for Bible study and prayer meetings, and is best known for serving as the organizer of the National Prayer Breakfast. Party! You know, it's that annual gathering of diplomats and world leaders in Washington, D.C. It was founded in 1935 by a man named Abram Veridi. Veride? Veride? I think that's how it's pronounced. I should know. I watched the documentary, right? Uh, And the fellowship initially arose from the Veridi trying to uh, arrange a meeting of business owners to crush laborers attempts at organizing. This is back in the cold war time. So, you know, laborers, the communist party, um, it was their way of, uh, of, of crushing those attempts at organizing after the course of the past 75 years, it has developed is evolved into what has uh, been referred to as a secret theocracy or an underground movement of prominent Christian men who exert their influence, not just in the United States, but abroad as well. The Family is a uh, 2008 book on the fellowship by author Jeff Charlotte and uh, Moss, the direct the director of the, the uh, documentary, says he just about fell out of his chair when he first learned about the family's influence. He thought there's an organization that exists at the intersection of faith and politics that occupies, unbeknownst to a lot of people, the significant portion of the public square. Fellowship members operate under a veil of secrecy, which is by design. And fellowship head Douglas Coe, who died in 2017, believes that the group could best exert its influence that way. Its members include senators, diplomats, and religious leaders around the world, like Senator Chuck Grassley, Senator Jim Inhofe, and Representative Bart Stupak. 
They've uh, been linked to the group, while President, Vice President Mike Pence and the Attorney General Jeff Sessions have also been referred to as friends of the family. That's a testament to the persistence of the production team that a handful of fellowship members, including former Congressman Zach Womp, speak on the record for the first time about the organization in this series. And most attributes, the uh, most attributes, Moss, rather, <laughs> attributes their willingness to talk in part to the organization's attempt to, quote, adapt to the 21st century with a greater degree of transparency. So only time will tell if that's even true. <clears throat> Charlotte, the, uh, the, the person who wrote the book about the family, uh, has a slightly different take. They're not opening the doors. They're not becoming transparent. That simply hasn't happened. But they do want to have their say. The primary way the fellowship maintains influence, uh, the series argues, is through the National Prayer Breakfast, which every president since Eisenhower has attended over the past 50 years. Though many consider the prayer breakfast something of a banal event, according to Moss, he says it's really quite an impressive demonstration of influence and power. Now, you've seen the, the, the whole national prayer breakfast thing. It looks like an awful event. It looks boring as hell. The food probably gets cold by the time you're ready to eat, to eat it. And I mean, that there really is no other focus than to just get all of those people of power into that room together. And when you see this happening in the documentary, they, they I think they spend an entire episode on the National Prayer Breakfast and everything that goes on um, during the event. But then there's the side conversations and then there's the secret meetings in the other rooms that uh, you don't hear about. But because it's all under the veil of a of a breakfast, I mean, the most innocent meal of the day is breakfast. Nothing bad happens during breakfast time. And then you've got, uh, you know, all of these people in power. Um, and they actually touch on uh, some of the influence of Russian spies that got on there, uh, got into the National Prayer Breakfast recently. Um, it drew national scrutiny when Maria Bettina, a Russian spy, was arrested in 2018 after having been found to have infiltrated conservative circles in the United States, in part by gaining access to the National Breakfast. Butina pled guilty to conspiracy and was sentenced to 18 months in prison. And then Butina's arrest crystallized uh, the true significance of the prayer breakfast as a hub of networking and deal making, not to mention an exemplification of the secret power of the fellowship. She understood where you needed to go to find power and lobby power. And that's what the prayer breakfast is, in part, the director said. In its efforts to consolidate its power... The family has extended its tentacles overseas. One episode of the family focuses in a large part on a trip that Representative Robert Adderholt, a right-wing politician tied to the group, made to Romania to campaign for anti-LGBTQ rights and advocate for Christian policy. Members of the family have also aligned themselves with group uh, global leaders who had committed atrocities in their home countries, including Libyan dictator Muammar, Muammar Gaddafi, who once prayed with Co. In face of all of these dictators, they don't say anything at all, says Charlotte, the, the author of the book. They don't ask for any accountability. And that's kind of the whole myth, uh, theology behind the family or the fellowship is that it doesn't really matter what happened in your past, that if you're chosen to be in the family, you can be forgiven and it, it will be it will move on all in the num all in the name of Jesus or in their theology. Um, and there, there, there was kind of a conflicting part to me in one of the episodes. I believe it's the first episode when Charlotte 
uh, that's the, the, the author's last name. He infiltrated the, uh, well, we'll get into that in a second here, but there, there was a conversation between, uh, oh, here we go. The, uh, Ivanwald, it's a fraternity, a frat house for the fellowship in DC that was instrumental in lifting the veil of the secrecy surrounding the, the organization. Um, Charlotte was reporting on that family in 2003, but back in his twenties, when, as you heard in the, uh, doc, in the documentary trailer, he stumbled upon it in his twenties and, and he got to experience it firsthand. They kind of welcomed him in as, uh, with open arms, Charlotte being Jewish, he, he was very curious. And so, uh, the, the group was a little bit reluctant to let him in, but because Jesus is a welcoming guy, they, uh, practiced that, uh, that theology and said, well, let's let you meet Jesus. And, and they let him in. And there was a conversation between the boys in that frat house and uh, and one of the representatives, senators, uh, guy that's high up in the government, he was just kind of hanging out with the guys. And this is this, this is another part of the documentary that I didn't really um, that I didn't really like, but I, I get why they did it. They did the whole dramatization thing where they had actors play certain people. So, for example, they had uh, uh, James Cromwell play uh, Doug Coe, and so he's seen portraying Doug Coe or or speaking as Doug Coe and quoting him throughout the the documentary. And this is one of those parts where it was all kind of dramatized and um, played out as remembered by uh, Charlotte, the author of the book. And the group of boys were all talking and saying, you know, what would Jesus do if you uh, created an atrocity or a crime in your earlier life? And um, they all basically said they'd be forgiven. And and he and this high up uh, senator representative uh, portrayed in this dramatization said, you know, it doesn't matter if you had, th- if you'd raped three girls in your, in your history, if you were chosen to be in the family, then we forgive you and we move on. A very powerful moment that just kind of, that really had me scratching my head and, and thinking, well, if this is really true, if these are really conversations that they're having behind closed doors, then it, it makes sense why the uh, there's groups of people in, in Washington, D.C. who will look past somebody like a President Trump that says grab her by the pussy. And, you know, allegedly he did this on in, in real life or he just said he did rather. And so it's easy to just dismiss that as just, you know, a locker room talk, as they said, when the whole thing broke. But that's uh, th- that's one of those uh, examples that they portray in this documentary that you can just say and just get away with because you are a God-fearing man and you, you, you make mistakes. And it's just, it's very conflicting. Again, I, I'm trying to figure out where my judgment lies on the whole thing, but I, I love, I love uh, rapping on conspiracy theories and, and finding them, finding out a little bit more, but there's other times during this whole documentary where I'm thinking, well, this isn't, doesn't sound like a bad thing. There's there's actually people in in the government that are trying to gather together and be uh, be be jovial and be um, together and come to conclusions and work together on things. But the fact that it's so uh, secretive and unwelcoming only to a certain select group of people and it's a good old boys club. There's they only have women in the group that are like, I guess, uh almost getting ready to suit with the, with the men in the family, in the, in the, uh, in the fellowship. So the women are grooming themselves to be the partners of, of the men in the fellowships. And so there's like these specific gender roles in it. it it's just, 
very conflicting. But then again, you have to watch it for yourself to really see that they're they're showing both sides, and it makes you wonder: is it really that bad? Uh, Charlotte has been reporting on the family since 2003 when he published an article in Harper's Bazaar about his time as an intern at Ivanwald. It's the Fellowship House in D.C., and uh, his work has been instrumental in lifting the veil, veil and secrecy surrounding the organization, much to the chagrin of members of the family. Even though the group has ties to all these dictators and war criminals, I'm the only person they've ever described as evil, Charlotte says, with a little chuckle. The first episode of the Netflix series is based in large part on Charlotte's personal experiences with the family, featuring dramatic reenactments of his time at Ivanwald, interspersing shots of muscular men, young men playing football with somber shots of prayer circles. And they, they really emphasize this physicality of uh, joining up this, this fraternity or this fellowship. You need to be straight laced. You don't do drugs. You don't drink. Uh, you have to be willing to uh, play in, in all these games and sports and, and stay active with the other guys. And the focus of the fellowship's hyper-masculine energy combined with the stringent rules of the group uh, sex and dating are forbidden, and the fellow fellowships demonstrated anti-LGBTQ stance creates a, str- a strong homoerotic undercurrent throughout the series that Charlotte says is uh, fairly true to his experience. In fact, Moss, the director, said he actually toned down the sexual subtext of Charlotte's description of Ivanwald so it wouldn't be too distracting in the con- context of the series. There was a Norwegian politician while uh, I was there, Charlotte says, who liked to walk around in a tiny little zebra striped underwear. And his thing was walking around and jumping into guys' laps and making homophobic jokes, says Charlotte. There's a lot of that uneasy joking about masculinity and the potential for it. And at the same time, this desire for intimacy that becomes really challenging for people who have a theological and ideological opposition to that. Although it's been more than 25 years since Charlotte began his reporting on the family, the inner workings of the group arguably have more relevance than ever, with many members aligning with President Trump, despite his decidedly non-evangelical values, which, by the way, that that does that, this this little description I'm writing uh, reading from you here, it, it kind of contradicts what we see in the in the documentary. It looks like Trump bring, like brings himself to the church and brings himself out into the evangelical crowd, especially when the quote unquote family gets his claws into him. And, and it's almost like they, they actually, in the documentary, they talk about how they wanted, uh, he wanted Chris Christie to be his running mate as vice president, but the family said, no, no, we're not going to let you do that. We want a, uh, God fearing man like a Mike Pence to be vice president and this is all just, you know, how you're supposed to perceive it in, in the documentary. But it looks, I mean, it, it looks like obvious, like an obvious switcheroo. Like we need somebody who is straight line evangelical and will use his platform in the government to ultimately uh, uh, side with uh, Christian values or God-fearing values or, um, you know, faith-based values that uh, a lot of people crave in politics. And then there's that whole, you know, church uh, church versus state thing, you know, that little thing that we probably shouldn't have too much of in the government. Well, it, it feels like it's it's just uh, inundated in the government now. And, and so the statement in the in the little article I'm reading here gives me the impression that they don't think Trump is, is uh, very evangelical, but it, it's very apparent in this documentary. And I do see that 
even more so now as you see him making the rounds and his rallies and everything. Charlotte attributes the family's alignment and part of the fact uh, that he has assembled the most fundamentalist cabinet in history, but also the group's unique view of leadership. The family believes that the leaders governed by divine right, and that power is in its, of itself evidence of God's blessing. Now we have our way, our very own strong leader, and we have a movement that is willing to work with power, Charlotte says. The lack of transparency surrounding the family's inner workings, combined with an administration that is marked by the accommodation of authoritarian leadership, as Moss puts it, raises extremely timely questions about the intersection of faith and power and their potential to undercut the very basis of our democracy. When you see alliances across international borders between religious right organizations and the authoritarian relationships... I think the consequences are enormous for all of us. It's more than just the story of the fellowship. It's the story of our democracy. So, you know, you got to kind of take a lot of these documentaries with a grain of salt and, and understand that there's always going to be a bias. Um, but I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it in this documentary. And I feel like the filmmaker Moss really did a good job at this. And I'm interested to find out what, what you all think. I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person, but I don't align myself to any sort of church or organized religion. Uh, but I do believe in a higher power. Um, and I think my confliction comes in when they believe that they were put in place by God to govern the country. There's just something about that there that just doesn't sit well with me. I, I feel like we were all put here on this planet to, for, for our own purposes but to demand or to use God's name to wield your own power, it feels a little bit influent, influential uh, to an extreme. It's almost like to say, well, God said so, so I will do this. And they talk a little bit more about um, this, this building called C Street, on C Street in Washington, D.C. It's another uh, fellowship building that was brought up to uh, the media's attention in the last few years, when one of the one of one of the uh, I think it's South Carolina senator went off with his mistress in Argentina, and he comes back and he starts dropping names like, "Oh, I was going to prayer studies at C Street," and it kind of exposed this this whole uh, further uh, uh, secret society under the fellowship or the family, and they weren't too happy about it. But the fellowship stood behind him. And said that, you know, that even though this guy created, uh, committed adultery and went against all of our values, he did the right thing. And I wonder if, if somehow they got their claws into him and said, well, if you don't stay with the family and you don't commit to uh, Jesus and, and make things right, then, uh, you know, I don't know. Are you going to be sleeping with the fishes? Is he going to be wearing concrete shoes at the bottom of the Atlantic? I don't know. It, so it's a really kind of creepy uh there's a lot of creepy undertones to this and and they play some clips of doug co uh the guy who kind of ran the, the thing for many many years since eisenhower talking about hitler and and uh stalin and how they use their power in order to gain their followers and how the family should use some of those tactics to reach out to their followers and their brethren and it's just a little bit disturbing so i am curious to find out what you think if you have watched The Family, give us a 
email. Send us at uh, rad at radradio.com or share your thoughts on the Rad Podcast group on Facebook. Just search for Rad Podcast group. And uh, we'll hit the ground running with that. But I, I just wanted to get that out there because this has kind of been one of those documentaries that has been running through my mind a lot, think, making me think how deep the rabbit hole will go. And it's just really compelling stuff. So I hope you check it out. It's on Netflix. It's called The Family. All right, Dan, up. Try that again. Uh. <laughs> Take two. Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. On to our next portion of the podcast, I wanted to uh, actually uh, introduce Mrs. Brandon. She stopped by and brought me some lunch. I did. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I was so hungry. I had some Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Mm. Got some of the new Chick-fil-A mac and cheese. The Chick-fil-A mac and cheese. Yeah. Did you like it? it? It's actually pretty good. You should here, try it. Right, Have I'll a bite. It. Yeah. it was actually, um, it was really cheesy, like on the top. Like, you know, when, what? It's cheesy? It's, uh, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's not like, um. Fake cheesy. It's stringy cheesy. It was, mm. it was I know. It's right. like homemade mac and cheese. It's not bad. Mine's saltier and has more bacon-like flavor in it, but that's because oh. I use different cheeses. God damn. I love homemade mac and cheese. My homemade mac and cheese is the shit. Oh, I know that because I <clears> love <throat> it so much. So, mm. Hold on a second. Your mic's a little too loud. Let me turn it down. Should I be quiet? No, you need to talk normal so I can figure this out. I love annoying you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, thank you for stopping by. Anytime. I know you've been really busy lately, so I really yeah, appreciate okay. it. Um, so it's your uh, fault. I've been busy. This whole <laughs> making me go to a trainer. <sighs> what is that about? Hey, it's helping you out, right? I'm kidding. You didn't make me. You're going to see my trainer, Titus, right? He's amazing. Yeah, he's the best. He's amazing. Titus Petray, P I T R E. He's at Destiny Fitness. If you do need it. a trainer, go do it. He's amazing. It. He's the best. I'm telling you, he's helped me with my my condition so much. That's right, because so. you got like elastic bones and, <laughs> and stuff, right? I have a hyper, I have a, a hypermobility issue. Yeah, it's a hypermobility condition. It's a connective tissue disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has gotten he's so he's doing strength training on my joints. Nice. So basically, I do full body workouts with him every day, but it's not like full body. You say full body. Ooh. Ooh. I'm not the hot one in the group, though. It's, it's Titus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a good-looking dude. Oh, yeah. So he's, he's a nice guy. Yeah, Great guy. Nice. So, great. yeah, if you want a good trainer, go see him. Super affordable. Destiny Fitness in Rockland. He's yeah. a great guy. Um, so I wanted you to uh, kind of help me out with this uh, next portion because it's, uh, it's talking about weed, right? Okay. We know a little bit about it. Love my weed. And then uh, there's another uh, letter here about somebody who, who wants to uh, get a little bit more freaky in the bedroom. So before okay. we get to that one, we'll, we'll, we'll do the weed talk here, right? Okay. Uh, this comes from Maggot Chris. Chris says, my wife and I are in the midst of selling our home and preparing to move out of the state of California. With all the things going on with the sale of our home, work, children, grandchildren, we have grandchildren, elderly people, oh. we have both been experiencing sleep issues. Now, my wife and I have never been huge pot people, but we have been known to partake in a social setting from time to time, but we are not huge on smoking it or and our experience with edibles is non-existent. We're not really looking to get baked out of our minds, but just looking for something to induce a well-rested sleep without the fear that is attached, that is attached to addicting uh, sleep aids and the sleep aids. They, they can be so, they can make you so groggy, right? So uh, Chris asks, can you recommend a good edible and the right strain of weed that might be able to help take the edge off 
calm the mind, and help the restlessness in the night. Thank you in advance for all and any advice. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Chris. Um, so if you are dealing with needing to sleep, let's see. Edibles are definitely the way to go, especially if you want to sleep longer. Um, inhaling cannabis yields faster effects. But it doesn't last as long. Right. And it's not as strong. An edible, I believe, hits five times uh, more concentrated like it hits you five times more powerfully than just smoking right so the potency sorry it's it's five times more potent than just smoking and uh if if you go to a i'm, I'm imagining you're gonna want to go to a dispensary and you might ask the bud tender yeah bud <laughs> you want to ask the bud tender about this because there are certain brands and strains that they might have on hand that uh, we might not talk about here because yeah. a lot of this stuff is, is seasonal and it really does depend on which dispensary you go to because they might get their hands on a specific type of edible that might suit your needs or there will be a specific brand of edible that you might like better because we've tried various different ones, chocolates, cookies, right. drinks, that all these uh, type of uh, THC consumable products that yeah. are, are not smoke are uh, can vary. Yeah, from and, brand and to brand. The strain itself is going to be really important for you. Um, a, a, a sativa or something that's heavier on the sativa side is going to wake you up. Right. It's, it's the gonna, opposite of what you want. Right. So stay you away want, from the sativas. You want an indica, yeah. something that's going to kind of, they, they call it the couch lock <laughs> weed. <laughs> it's the one that makes you really kind of calm. It's going to be more of a, um, not so much a body kind of high. It's going to be more like a head like, ooh, I, I have my best conversations on Indica, mm. but I also have some of my best sleep. So if you, when you're going for an edible, ask them what strain it's made from. If they know, if it's a hybrid, try and get a hybrid that's leaning more towards the Indica. Yeah. And say that, say, I want to, if you have hybrids, go for the Indica, yeah. uh, the, 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 what is the, I've smoked too much pot, clearly. Have you been smoking since I left? No. Oh, well. the, uh, the, it's heavier on the indica. Like you just yeah. said. Yeah. I could just repeat that again. How about that? Yeah. How about that? Um, how about what I said? You also want to go easy on the high, <laughs> go easy on the, uh, high THC strains. So if it's an anxiety that's keeping you up oh, there, yeah. there's blends of THC and CBD. And if you don't know what, uh, CBD is, it's, uh, the cannabis oil and it's, uh, it's a Delta nine tetrahydrocannabinoil. <laughs> Say that. Say that. Fast. He did not have a stroke, people. Uh, to, uh, let's see. The most notable difference between CBD and THC is the lack of psychoactive active effects for CBD, which does not typically cause the characteristic of marijuana high of THC. Um, so, if you're basically, you can get one that's a combo of CBD and THC, and the CBD is going to help you with you know your inflammation and anxiety as pain, well. Pain, nausea. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see here. What else does it benefit? Uh, inflammatory bowel disease, seizures, depression, inflammation, psychosis or mental disorders and migraines. Um, and people might use THC for glaucoma, muscle st spasticity, low appetite, insomnia. That's why, that's all the reasons why yeah. I use THC. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it is. Totally. People may use either <laughs> uh, either of them to help treat pain, anxiety, and, and nausea. So the trick is going to be finding if you're if you're leaning towards wanting to sleep through the night, an edible is definitely the way to kind of go because it's going to last longer. Definitely. Um, I don't necessarily recommend 
starting off with a big chunk of of I An would, edible. Yeah, I would lean towards one of like the chocolates or the caramel bars, like the really or something um, you can break up into pieces. You know what would be good is the Kiva blueberries. Yeah. Yeah, cuz they cuz they tend to be um real small. They're like 5 milligrams per little berry. They're delicious. They're just chocolate-covered little blueberries and yeah. the chocolate that's covered the the blueberry ha- contains the THC and they're normally about 10 milligrams per I think they're one. 5. Okay. I now think they're, they're five. 5. I think so. I think they were 10 before, but I think they're 5 now, which is a good start. <clears throat> take one. Yeah, always start with one. Always just take one and if somebody recommends that you take half a cookie, take a quarter of a cookie. Always. Always split <laughs> split the recommended dose in half yeah. of what is recommended. If the stoner gives you a brownie mm. and says only eat half, eat, eat a, a quarter. quarter or an eighth. Right. It, yeah. depend, it depends on where you're getting it from. So from give, the dispensaries, it, it's safe to go with a quarter. And give it an hour to yeah. let it sit in, sink in. And if you're not feeling it after an hour, then maybe take a, another quarter or another eighth of right. what you, Which what is you like, took. I think the blueberries would be a really yeah. good idea because it's small. It's, they're small. They're five milligrams. You're going to easy to gauge. Eat, yeah. yeah. Now, the only other thing I'm going to say is uh, it's been a while since you guys have done this. Um, Just be prepared. Get some munchies. Yeah. And if you're <laughs> going to eat the chocolate covered blueberries, yeah. get the chocolate covered blueberries that are not edibles because you'll want to go back for them. That's a problem. Yeah, they're damn good. Yeah, you don't want to eat those blueberries again yeah, just because so you got the munchies. Prepare um, yourself for some munchies. And give yourself some leeway because if, if if you haven't done this before with edibles and you haven't slept all through the night on a really good night's sleep, you might wake up a little groggy. Yeah. So just be prepared for that. And yeah, You'll uh, know if you overdo it. Yeah. And always just always give yourself an hour leeway leading into your, uh, your edible like, so you can feel it. If you go to bed at 9 o'clock... Maybe start around 7.30. Yeah. And then if you start feeling a little bit dizzy, um, don't obviously don't do any more. But just remember that it's not going to be like you're going to get the drunk spins. You might, though. There Some people do yeah. get spins, like a spinning kind of feeling from having too many edibles. I've been that person. Poor Brandon had to put me to bed on like our second date because I brought a giant spliff that we ate smoked and i got myself too stoned and she thought that i drugged her well you made the joke earlier in the day <laughs> i didn't your fault yeah and it was a little suspicious it that was I, funny though that she started going down on uh after we smoked this joint and i joked about he had roofing just made me you. a drink yeah roofing i was joke i was like oh, i'm not gonna have to roof you tonight yeah if not after this dinner uh, this, <laughs> i don't even eat the dinner and yeah. i'm already gone and i actually i did i panicked i was like do i need to call my mom yeah now yeah. fortunately I, I was a gentleman i put you to sleep put you to bed you guys he was so sweet i got you some water he tucked me in he'd come in and he'd check on me kiss me on the forehead i i ate my dinner that i made it was some greek pizzas and we did a over i saved the leftovers but then i did do it again i made I, it for another night i loved that night though yeah, it was fun I loved it. and you know what we did we when we went out into the backyard it was before they decided they needed to mow the backyard so the grass was up to our hips mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he that was at the bachelor pad yeah he yeah. still had lucy and we kept passing lucy and the the joint so if you were smoking <laughs> you didn't have lucy so you know yeah. trade off i remember that that was, she'd sit in your arm in such a way that she just kind of sit up yeah that was a fun day that's what you remember I do. You should see the video of what I did while you're sleeping. I'd love to. Yeah, I know. It's pretty hot. <laughs> okay, moving on. Speaking moving of on. hot, uh, 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 oh, no, not that one. Let's go. Speaking of hot, okay. take two. 
Uh, this is from a uh, listener named B. She says, hi, Brandon. My question is regards to a new relationship. We've been seeing each other for just about a month. He's a great guy and our sex life is great. And just to, just to clarify, the letter writer is female. I, d- I do get the impression he's a bit kinkier than I have ever experienced. We both like lightweight, rough sex, and I am down with most things. Lightweight, rough sex. Like what? Spanking? Uh, what's, what's, what's lightweight, rough sex to you? Biting. Biting? Yeah. Like nibbling? Yeah. Okay. Bruising, a little bit of bruising here and there. Ooh, you know, bruising. Like, like, like nibbles and yeah. pinches? Well, <laughs> nibbling is just foreplay. I think, uh, I think this is like a little bit more pressure. Yeah. We're, see, we're just like kind grabby. of... Grabby? Yeah, we're not so much into the... Heavier, the, the, uh, oh my god! So that's why I'm that's why I'm wondering if like you know we can set set like the, what the groundwork is here for like uh, say hi? lightweight rough sex. Oh, Opie's trying to make <laughs> Opie. a guest appearance. She's crawling up into my lap. She, she keeps nosing the microphone. <laughs> okay, that was rude. Sorry. Are, are you done? Yeah, really. Okay. No, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> so we both like lightweight rough sex, and I am down with most things. Like good. He likes to dominate, which is uh, which works for me. And he says, though, that he also has a desire to be submissive to me, which is new to him. He says I can do anything I want to him. But honestly, that is where I draw a blank. So she gives examples like dirty talk, pinching, biting, making him wait. I'm good with that. I just feel like I'm missing something. Any ideas would be appreciated. So Sincerely, B. I've been... Um... I, I understand where you're coming from when you're kind of at that like, okay, so we need to dip our toes a little further into something and mm-hmm. you really and you want to. Uh, a couple things you could do. It, first of all, make it all about you. If he wants if if you're using the term the way that I'm aware of it, dominating, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to be dominated. He wants you to take control. Mm-hmm. Undress him, but not you. Ooh, a nice power move. Tie him up. Make him wait. Walk away. Oh, I like that. Get him hard and just walk away. Well, I'm hard right now. <laughs> uh, the teasing, the edge him. Mm, yeah. Without letting him come. Right. Make him ask for it. Like kind of lightly him... jerk him off oh, and yeah. so he can't, and then get him to that edging point and yeah. pull away. Yeah. 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 Uh, make him say please and thank you. Oh, yeah. What else? Um, d- do it all for you. Mm-hmm. Just, just fuck him till you're ready and done. And then walk away. <laughs> but then obviously you come back. Yeah. But yeah, I think Ooh, that's that's kind of fun. Like yeah. making him wait, but like tying him up, moving, go. Yep. Yeah. Or just sitting on the end of, edge of the bed, touching yep. yourself mm-hmm. and not him. And yep. yeah, that's fun. Yeah. If he tries to touch you, don't let him. Mm-hmm. 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 You can get there's some you can get some whips. There's some nice whips, you know, cattails, nine, nine tailed whips are nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is turning into a letter for me now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's, that's that's all. They're all really good ideas, starting yeah. points. Um, and this is a new relationship. They've only yeah. been together for just a month. It's also okay to ask him. Absolutely. Like, like what do you want me to do to dominate you? Right. And like, what what does excite you? What right. do you like? It's totally the most. It, it is honestly one of the sexiest conversations you can have, especially with somebody you're first dating. Like absolutely. When I when we first started dating, what was one of the first things I asked you? Where's your favorite spot on your dick? Oh, yeah. That was a good one. Because every guy has one. That's true. Every guy has their own little tech. I want to know what your spot is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll fi- I usually can find it just fine. You're good at finding it. I am. I know. 
but I'm always good at finding the spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, just finding out like what his things are, like what he likes. Like I know there's, I'm not going to share everything. Like I know there's certain things about like what Brandon likes that I might not have normally just gravitated towards like, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, but he expressed how much he enjoys that. And then I took notice of like, oh, okay, I think I can see a physical change in that when he gets excited, yeah. like, or when I mess with that or when I play with that or when I, you know, so you were talking about my nipples. I was, I was trying to be, he, his nipples get so fucking hard when he comes, <laughs> like they could cut glass. And I was and like, I never knew that I was like a nipple person. No, this is like a new, like we like discovered male, this together. Male nipples, like no, they had no, nothing firm, <laughs> did nothing for me before. He and never now, asked me to do anything with them. And then one it's day. Like, cut some glass with this shit. Yeah, no, you can play. And he's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. As a woman, I totally understand how that feels like that is such a, whoa, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so we kind of discovered that together because you know, things change mm-hmm. through sexuality, like especially through relationships. Like we have gotten into some kinky shit. Yes, we have. <laughs> We're and not going to talk about. And, and a lot of that <laughs> stuff comes from communication. Whoa. Communication. <laughs> and the, the thing about uh, the internet now is that it's got a lot of good examples. You know, it does. You, it you has. Go, you go to porn websites mm-hmm. and you type in like, femdom, mm-hmm. female domination, or vice versa, or, you know. Definitely uh, dip your toes in <clears throat> gently, though, because oh, yeah, can they can go real extreme. It can get extreme. And I think that if you start with, like, with amateur stuff, that's usually the best starting point, because a lot of, like, the professional stuff, it best gets pretty, <laughs> yeah, it gets, it gets pretty extreme when yeah. you go to, like, the the professionally made stuff. When, when it's more amateur, it, it, you can relate to it a little bit more, and that's... That's what I tend to gravitate towards, especially when I'm seeking something newer out or trying to, uh, you know, I'll send you a link to a video that I'm like, I'm like, well, this looks fun. Mm -hmm. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's talk about this. Let's try this. That's a good idea. He often will send me something and go, can we try this? Right. Or what do you, or what do you think about this? What do you think of it? (laughs) Just to gauge the interest. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's a little bit easier than just being like, Hey, uh, so I was watching this video where this guy was sticking his dick down a hole in a in a massage table, and the girl went underneath the table and was just milking his cock through the hole in the yeah. table. Like, does that sound interesting to you? I mean, it's a little I'm bit. I'm pretty sure I sent you that video, though. It's, it's a little, no, I sent you <laughs> oh, that did video. You? I, I liked it enough. <laughs> yeah, I sent you that video. And it was one of those things where it was easier to just send a video like that yeah. than be like, how I awkwardly described it right. just now. Because then I could be like, that's the weirdest thing ever. And he's like, I know, right? Yeah, and he but, can totally play it off. Like right. he was oh, not man. totally hard watching that's just it. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't come to that video at all. It might it might even be easier for you to sort of um, kind of start in on it. Like surprise him with it. Yeah. And like I try it with the undressing thing. Start undressing him. That's fun. You're off limits. You can't undress you. You don't undress you. You just start on him, right? You take what you want. And while you're doing that, Start asking him something, you know, do you like this? Do you want more of this? You know, those kind of gauge him that way. And then, you know, come back and powwow after your bang bang and (laughs) (laughs) see what happens. But I compare notes. Brandon's right, though. I do encourage all couples to look at porn together. But if that's not your thing. Yeah. If if that's not your thing, then I mean, it doesn't sound like that's not your thing based on the, the way that you guys have your, you know, sexual we know compatibility. they watch porn. 
A lot of people do. Yeah. But then there's some that are like, those guys, those people usually aren't in this. Is that big dick, the big dick you want? You know, and then they start comparing each other to what they see in the videos and they get all insecure, you know. Insecure people. Well, and they're out there. I I have my moments of insecurity as well, but. Yeah, but it never involves porn. It only involves real people we've brought in. Yeah, that's true. So that's a little different of a story. Right. Yeah call my dick little again i didn't okay at all sir <laughs> want to go back and listen you want to figure out uh, what my insecurities might be <laughs> it's, uh... it's not that um <laughs> so uh I, I hope that helped me um i know it helped me i finished a couple of times just when <laughs> we were talking about that i think so. i saw his dick twitch it did it did yeah. yeah uh so had a big weekend real big weekend Super. uh What's that? Super. <laughs> Super weekend. Woo! Uh, so on Sunday, on the 18th of August, we went to the beach retreat in Tahoe. We got to join up uh, with Matt, the founder and CEO of Tahoe Blue Vodka, for the 8th annual Tahoe Blue Bloody Mary competition uh, right there at the beach retreat in Party beautiful South Lake Tahoe. It was so It was fun. on the beach, too. It was so ma- great. You guys, it was almost like a mini, like, spring break, but with just Bloody Marys. It was. People were walking around totally. in their bathing suits. Oh, it was sitting amazing. on the beach, music playing live, you know, like DJ, DJ, cornhole. Yeah, and if you holes. weren't drinking, uh, you know, Bloody Marys, there was, there's a tiki bar there. It's awesome. Yeah, it was so much fun. Met a ton of listeners, a lot of really cool people. A lot of people tried to buy us drinks. Yeah, and we had to limit ourselves. <laughs> to drive <laughs> yeah it was a sunday i was i was a judge thank yeah. you matt for uh, letting me join in the judging fun and yeah and matt warned you he was like careful take it easy yeah don't don't get crazy and he cause... also said don't take it too easy because then the uh yeah the, the judges will give you a hard time yeah right? exactly or not the judges but the the, the people the contestants yeah. yeah and so I, I i fared well i did i did my due diligence and mm-hmm. i didn't get too i didn't get fucked oh, up at all not at oh, all was, he you guys he didn't i barely drank he in total, I don't think he even had a full Bloody Mary. No. It was no. like a sip, a sip, a sip. Yeah. I yeah. ate more of the, the garnishes <laughs> than I drank of the the, of the Bloody Marys. But the, they're all fantastic. I mean, all of them were really good. Mm-hmm. But so that was that was the hard part is trying to figure out right. how, which ones I wanted to score higher. Right. And, and I ultimately, um, I, I did pick my favorites towards the end, but... And I can't for the life of me tell you which ones were my favorites, but they're, they're all such a good time. If you ever get an opportunity to do something mm-hmm. like this, you absolutely have to check it out. So much fun. It was a and lot of fun. It was in Tahoe. And it was beautiful a beautiful weekend. day. You got, oh my God. It was, it was like mid eighties. It, it was perfect. Yeah. I think it hit 87. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. There was not a cloud in the sky. Yeah. There was no wind whatsoever. Perfect Tahoe day. It was picturesque. And then the, uh, so the night before we actually decided to go, uh, to, to dinner. We were going to stay the night up there, uh, the night before. And mm-hmm. it was an adventure to say the least. Yeah. We stayed at, we stayed at this place called the, the, the Lake Shore Lodge, Lodge. and Spa. Yeah. Which is, it's technically right next door to the beach retreat. They kind of share a little, there's like it's in the same area. There's yeah. like this one, like one or two residents between them that have these private beaches. So you can't like walk down to each other. Yeah. <laughs> so silly. This is cool. But it but the I mean the great little location. Our, our room was like uh right over the water. Nestled up right there on the beach. So I mean if we, you walked down and just walked from 
our patio to the end of the water. It was maybe 15 feet. Yeah. You just walk, you just uh, open up the door. It looks like your, your window is the lake. Yeah. It's it almost looked like you were on a boat. Beautiful. It was just gorgeous. And so we got there right before our appointment. I, I spoiled us with a couple of, a couple massage and an ex- massage. Uh, we got full body exfoliating scrubs yep. and then couples Swedish massages. Oh my God. You guys, I, I think I'm just going to make it a monthly thing now. I would love to. It was uh, it, it was pricey there at uh, <laughs> at the resort and spa there that we went to. Uh, it actually wasn't the... that pricey. Okay. Comparative. <laughs> you didn't pay for it, but okay. Hey, <laughs> I shopped for it, you punk. God. <laughs> Take the gift away. Uh, and I bought you dinner and breakfast and lunch all weekend. That's true. Pretty much equal. We're pretty much equal. Uh, but it was uh, worth every penny. It was amazing. I mean, we did the couple's massage thing, and it was, at, at one point, I, I felt like I was just there alone. I didn't even mm-hmm. think there was somebody touching me. It was like, I just got into my own little zone, mm-hmm. and I was gone. I, towards the end, I know that I kind of dozed off a little bit and might have did the whole <laughs> waking myself up. Uh, I'm just glad I didn't get a boner. I asked him, it was the first thing I did. That, that was the first thing you asked me when I, I like, flipped over. Did you get over. a boner? And he goes, no. And I went, damn. <laughs> I don't know how how the I don't know how well that would have gone over no. with the uh, massage therapist. Although I don't know, she seemed indie, she seemed a little into you. I don't know about she that. She got a little excited. She's like, "Oh, you're gonna be mine today." Nah, I don't know about that. My girl was great. She's great. Yeah, that well, was a good time. So uh, we 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 spoiled ourselves with that, and then we decided, well, we might as well go to dinner. Yeah, and Brandon and, has been wanting pizza, oh like good God. pizza, because we've been we've been really careful about um, eating. Like we're eating at home right now. We're not door dashing. We're not ordering out. We're not eating out a lot. Yeah, we had Chick Fil A for lunch today. We got to go grocery shopping. But. Part part of the uh, the the training that we're doing has mm-hmm. us on a better diet, so yeah. we don't get and, to go out to eat too often. And when we do, we try to make the best choices possible. I know Chick Fil A is probably not the one of the best choices. Well, it's delicious and it's chicken. So. Well, we talked about the, you guys talked about the mac and cheese thing. And, and so I figured I might as well just grab it. We can give it a try. Yeah. And- so, um, so we've been, we've been craving pizza and mm-hmm. we decided we would go to a uh, base camp pizza go, which is right there in the heavenly village. Yep. And it's about a mile and a half away from where we were staying. So we've been jonesing to do this scooter thing, you know, since Venice. Those- yeah. Since earlier this year, in Venice beach, we went to Southern California and we rode these little lime, Scooters. scooters lime is the company that, that does it. You, you see them if you've been to tahoe or now they have them in downtown sacramento they have lift ones They're i don't like know if they purple. have them in reno yet i feel like they do i know that they have the reno? bikes okay. i know they have the bikes the lime bikes in reno but yeah. i i don't know about the scooters yet I don't so know. these are just little motorized scooters they get mm-hmm. you from a to b so they go from like 15 to 20 miles an hour give or take and, depending on your battery and your weight <clears throat> and uh we had a blast on them while we were down in venice beach absolutely blast. loved them and when we decided to do that in tahoe it was not the same experience that we had on Venice Beach. Fucking nightmare. It was awful. Nightmare. So we, we we scooped up a couple of uh of of scooters. Now mind you, when you're in Tahoe and it's busy, there isn't very good cell reception. There's no cell reception. You get small pockets it's like every bottlenecked. ten to fifteen minutes or so. Yeah, so this whole this whole lime scooter technology is based on getting a uh, proper cell reception. Yeah, because you can't you can't, you can't connect. You got it has to like connect to the internet and then connect to the scooter and it has to unlock it and then it it will tell you if you're in a proper zone and it does this whole GPS thing connected to your phone, all oh. that stuff. And so we get a couple scooped up 
Finally. We start, we start cruising. We're doing good. We're going about, you know, 10, 15 10, miles per hour. 10 miles is what we kind of, 10 miles an hour. And the first thing up. we noticed was the, the quality of the road. Oh. Totally different than Venice Beach, which is all flat, straight. You don't really have to worry about anything. Mm. But Tahoe, a little bit rougher terrain. It's like you got to have like yeah. a four-wheel drive scooter in order they, to like. They needed like those all-terrain wheels, like almost like the wheelbarrow wheels mm-hmm. that are soft. Like we needed that. And people are probably eating shit all the time up there. Our our local friends say that they see people eat shit. Yeah. Adults, I mostly. Gu- guaranteed people eat shit on there all the time. I, I was afraid you were going to eat shit. I, I was afraid, afraid I was, was going to eat, eat shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. Because so. I, I hit a couple of bumps and I was like, whoa, yeah. like that was not easy. And I think I heard the statistic was they see at least two ER visits a day from scooter people. I believe it. Just That's just an average. That's two. Yeah. I, on busy weekends, they probably see 10 to 15. I believe it. And so we get we get cruising. We're doing good. We're having fun. And then all of a sudden. Barely a mile down the road. Your battery dies. Just dies. Right, right there in the middle of yeah. our, our little excursion it there. It just starts flashing at me, and then it goes <clears> 10, <throat> like from 10 miles an hour to 5 to to 4. And I went, this is it. And, I, you know, I'm just sitting there, thumb all the way down, and Brandon's just leaving me in the dust. I'm like, I can't go. And then I stopped by a couple other scooters, but couldn't get any connection. Right, because at this point, you're, you're, you're disconnecting from the first one. Mm-hmm. And I cruise back to you because... Yeah. I don't want to leave you in the dust and we can't ride doubles because first of all, it says not to, I'm also and I fat. would not, I, no, you're not <laughs> fat and I wouldn't trust, uh, I, I wouldn't trust the scooter to be able to, to a, handle two people. And I saw people doing we it. Were on. I saw people doing yeah. it and they were crazy. They were absolutely not. I, I mean, I'm sure you can do it and get away with it, but I mean, if you both go down, it's good. It's, it's no good. That's putting a lot of trust down. in one person on a terrain. That's that like on that little bike path area like it was rough i would rather just me go down yeah instead of take down Same. somebody with me absolutely so just wasn't worth it and so i i i abandoned my scooter there and yours kind of automatically disconnected because of the well, battery it right? said it did yeah it said that because what your procedure for um locking it you have to lock it and end your ride then you have to take a picture of where you left your scooter to make sure that it's in the right spot. They all have a GPS thing on them anyway, so they know. Because they, yeah. they have to keep track of them. They got to go that, collect them. And that's all and part of the system, this whole GPS thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it was like, it's it's just kind of circling. Like, it's just not really going anywhere. And I'm like, okay. And then we figure we'll just kind of keep walking. It'll, you know, it'll close out when we get signal. No big deal. So... We get down the road, we're walking to uh, base camp, which is really, it's barely half a mile from where we are at the time. Uh, you know, we just, it was like seven, 10 minutes of a walk. Screw it, we'll just walk it. And we get there and it was an hour and 45 minute wait. So we turned right back around and headed back to an Italian restaurant we'd seen on the way. And all the while, our timers are still going on our lime rides on our little scooters. We didn't know that it was still going off on yours. It was because I know mine was because mine, mine mine wouldn't disconnect from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we get back to our little Italian restaurant and we both sit down and take a look. Mine is at 47 minutes. I've ridden it for like five less than that. And I, you get charged 29 cents a minute for having it. Mm -hmm. So it, excuse me, it thinks I still have it. I don't. And this is after it has said it automatically disconnected because of low battery. So I just assumed it wouldn't continue to charge me. It did. 
So then we look over at Brandon's and his is doing the same thing. Only it's not where we left it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's part of this, this whole GPS thing is that if you don't park it in a certain spot, it will tell if you don't, if you park it in an un, uh, what they consider an unauthorized or illegal parking area for the scooter, it will let you know. And then it also gives you a little alert that says you will be fined if you leave the scooter here. Basically go pick up your fucking scooter. Right. And at this point, we're at dinner, right? Yeah, there was nothing the, the we could timer, do. The timer has been going for Non-stop. about 70 to 80 minutes. 90. It was 90. By the time we got to it, yeah. it was at 90 minutes. Yeah, that's true. But at dinner, yeah, we're, I was sitting there waiting because we were waiting for our table for a couple of minutes and I kept clicking on the button trying to disconnect. Nothing would happen. No internet connection. And it said, well, you're actually parked in a in a zone right across the street. So somebody had taken, taken this happy little scooter that was paid for by moi. And uh, took it on a little joy ride up to Rayleigh's and parked it right there. When he caught onto that, though, the only thing he was able to do was pause the ride. Yeah, and that's still you still you're still incurring charges yeah. because you're holding on to that scooter. Yeah. So, but it locks it out for somebody to take it away. So right. we knew it was going to be where we left it. That was that was uh, the good thing to look forward to, at least. And so it was our only solace at this point. We were a little upset that you know that we were even having to deal with this we couldn't even call we, there was no support number there was no support line there was nobody on there was nothing we could do and the reception was so bad there was no way of going to the help menu par- portion of the app because it'll it just, just freeze up yeah it, it would it would it would just freeze up and just go to a blank page so we were just like well so, <laughs> he's getting stressed out just talking yeah about i mean we we just we get through the dinner and the dinner was delicious and then we decide well let's just go take care of this stupid scooter find this fucking thing just get out i just, I just want to turn it off i'm done with the scooter yeah and uh so we, we walk across the street and it's like following a treasure map like we literally <laughs> had to walk the entirety of the, the the parking lot and as our little blip on our yeah. on my phone got closer to the little scooter image mind like, you we're okay. still having like connectivity issues so it's not exactly <laughs> it accurate <laughs> Yeah, and, it, and ultimately we got to the front of the rail, and it was right there. There were like right but at the front hold of the railings. There were like four or five other scooters. We had to like stop and check the code, yeah, and like we were like, "Is that it? No. Is that it? No. Is that it?" There's a code assigned to each one, along with the scan card. Yeah. Scan. Uh, we're weaving through code. cars. <laughs> no idea where this thing is. Yeah. So I got it, unpaused it, got on it, and figured then we'll just ride let's it. Home. Tr- let's try to get you on a scooter. And, and then we'll ride what? both of them home and, and none of them work. None of we. I had the most difficult. He could get a scooter. It wasn't for whatever reason. He was able to get a scooter. I wasn't. Adding to the frustration, we're just trying to get back to our hotel. And we're trying to just <laughs> do it 10 o'clock in an night. economical way. And what's more fun than riding a goddamn scooter in Tahoe? <laughs> and it was beautiful. The Ooh. weather was beautiful. So we tried to get me a scooter. Couldn't. Yeah. He gives up. Finally, he's able to lock his out and finishes it off. It ends up being $32. He got to ride the scooter for a total of five minutes. Yeah. And cost it, him and, 30 and Somebody two. rode their happy ass from where we dropped it off all the way out to Rayleigh's and had a joy ride, ride with that thing. And <laughs> until I can unpause it. Yeah. yeah. So it, it just reminds me of this episode of South Park. So something that should have cost us $3 cost us about 45 total. Yeah. Would have been cheaper to do a lift mm-hmm. four times. What the, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> How can I help you? 
Well, I'm just getting my Halloween candy. Want to make sure to get enough. Last year, I ran out and the kids egged my house. Okay. I don't want to run out of candy on Halloween. I'll take three large bags each of Snickers Fun Size, Payday Bite Size, Almond Joy Snack Size, and Reese's Teeny Weenie Size. Okay. Sounds like you want to be prepared. Can I ask you something? What's up with all these damn scooters? I think you get an app on your phone and you can use them all over town. No, but, like, where did they come from? You know, it's like one day everything was fun and the next day there were these fucking scooters everywhere. You don't like scooters? I just think people should drive, okay? I don't think people should scoot. I just, I just hope the future isn't scooting. Well, they seem pretty convenient. What can be so wrong about that? Happy Halloween. Scooters. It's so it's so accurate. It is so accurate. Yeah. Because the premise of that whole thing is about them, the kids wanting to go Halloween trick-or-treating. And they were gonna get the, more houses on the And scooters. they all thought they were having this original idea. Yeah. And then poor Kenny doesn't have a phone, yeah. right? So he can't do it. He can't go trick-or-treating with any of his friends, and they all tell him no. And so they devise this plan to fuck up the cell reception. <laughs> and I mean, uh, our friends told us about this episode. And we As just, we were telling this story, yeah, and they're, they're like, like, have you seen the South Park We went home and we just died. Yeah. We, were, I was laughing so hard because it was, yeah. It describes you wanna, our situation to a thief. Yeah, yeah, you can fuck it up by fucking up the cell service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, if you're interested in that South Park episode, it's called The Scoot. Yeah, the, do it. The last season. Do it. If you funny. live in a city that you're surrounded by those damn scooters. Well, Sacramento, it's fairly new yeah. now. Like they just did that in the last couple of months. They got those lime scooters there. So uh, I don't know. Times. I'm scared. He yeah. actually said, let's go scoot. And I was like, fuck that. <laughs> oh, dude, the future isn't scooting. Scooting. I don't like to scoot. Scooting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was uh, that was like our, our fun cap of, of the weekend. And yeah. not not to be... Uh, not to be too much of a downer, but our our show that uh, we went to go see the concert, uh, the Dirty Heads and Three Eleven at Papa Murphy's Park on Friday, and uh, I just wanted to see Amber be played. The live. show the show was actually really fun. We had a really great time uh, from the beginning. We we hung out with uh, Leanne, the board op of Ninety Eight Rock, and she's also uh, for the show. She's like she runs the board for the morning show, but she's also a DJ on Ninety Eight Rock. Yeah, you've probably heard of her if you're a fan of Ninety Eight Rock. Most people have. And uh, so we got to hang out with her and a couple of my friends hung out from, from old school friends. Yeah. And uh, we, we had a friend of ours with us. We had a really, really, really good time. We actually, we're social this weekend, like people social. It was crazy. <laughs> but we hardly do that. Yeah. Although um, that's been a little bit more lately. We've been coming out of our shells. Yeah. Finding better people, maybe. Yeah, that helps. That's true. And uh, so we were having a really good time. Uh, Dirty Heads was great. And Dirty Heads, they actually seemed a little bit tired, in my opinion. They seemed like they... They were didn't have as much energy as they've had in previous I shows. I think everybody was just there for three eleven. Although the Dirty Heads have been on tour, they just dropped a new album. They they've probably are a little bit tired. Yeah. It was it was weird. I don't know if it was where we were standing, if it was just the vibe. People were just waiting for three eleven to come on. Because the last time I saw three eleven, it was there was a mosh pit that broke out in front of me. So it was a lot more mellow. It was, and I feel like Papa Murphy's Park has some sort of like sound sound ordinance deal where yeah, they can't get loud. too loud. Yeah, I feel like the sound guy could have really cranked it up. A we were bit able more. to have conversations during. Yeah, during almost the, whispering. Yeah, no, like, hey, not yeah, even. Do you like the no, show? We were still having to like, yeah. Are you having a good time? But 
And uh, so 311 was on for about 15 minutes, and that, that we were, you know, we love 311, we love Dirty Heads, we, we were having a really good time. Yeah, I think we were like, what, two, two and a half songs in? Yeah, and then all of a sudden somebody approaches me, gets in my face, and says, hey buddy, you remember my face? Remember this? Remember, remember yeah. who remember I am? Remember me? You know my name? You, remember you know me? Who I'm, and I'm, I recognize him right away, I knew mm-hmm. who he was. His wife had, had uh, passed by uh, right before that, and I, I know his wife. And, Circling like a shark. Yeah, it was very odd. It was odd. It was like and... the last time we saw these um, these folks four or five years four ago. or five years ago. Yeah. Um, even still, if we had run into them, I didn't think this was how it was going to go. It was through a mutual acquaintance. They knew this person. We knew this person as mm-hmm. well. And we were out partying years ago. Mm-hmm. We were out at Reno or something. We were just having a good time yeah. and and talking. And I think we were at an event or something. It was after an event. We started talking about stuff. And th- this particular couple who comes up and starts getting in my face a little bit. We'll get to more of that in a second. Uh, they were, they were, uh, they claimed to be growers. They were claiming to be growers. They said that they had quality product. And at the same time in that, at that time period, you, Mrs. Brandon, were getting into compound butters. Yeah. You, were, you were making infused butters with different flavors, cinnamon. Not weed, though. Uh, not weed yet. Yeah. Uh, but that I mean, was something that you were you were curious was, to dabble into because exactly. these butters were so amazing. And but I had a lot of research I needed to do. Yeah. And I knew that. And I made that very clear. Like, you know, this is, I'm not real sure. I need to look into this. I need to because know how to do this. Because this couple who claimed to be, claimed to be growers uh, wanted to utilize your talents at, at infusing butters to mm-hmm. make a, a, a edible butter with, with their, with their marijuana crops. And at some point, which is funny because making butter is like three steps. Yeah. But getting the, getting the proper uh, stuff out of the weed, like the oils mm-hmm. and the, and all that. And I do not claim to be an expert at that either. <clears throat> and at the time we weren't even dabbling no. in it. I was not interested in doing that kind of work. So when, when we were presented with the opportunity, they said, well, we'll give you some stuff to try. We just kind of talked about it. There it was, was never. Fleeting. It was a fleeting thing. Yeah. It was and never really solid. Without giving too much more detail, um, but just to give a little bit more of the premise, the the guy ended up meeting you and dropping just off a couple of baggies off. full of shake, right? Yeah. Not like. It wasn't like popcorn. It wasn't like budded weed. It wasn't that. It was like it trimmings was, of the it leaves. It was dried out trimmings and they all smelled like alfalfa. Yeah. So they had a mold on them. So there's nothing. So I knew at least one. Yeah. Like one of the bags was completely moldy. Like it was even stuck to itself. There's nothing you could do with that type Mm-mm. of stuff. You can't. You can't even make like a hash or anything. There's not There's even. There's no potency in it. And there, so you're not going to get any of the effects from either the THC or CBD. Yeah. Well, you'd only get CBD from hemp. But. And they couldn't. They couldn't give me any other information, like what their THC content was. They or weren't. What they weren't. They, were. they weren't actually testing any of this or looking at any of this. And so that was about four or five years ago, and we didn't hear anything back. And. Um, well, some 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 legal things happened where one of the parties ended up going to jail or something. We were told not we're to told. have any contact with them, so we didn't. That was fine. And we walked away and we said, "Okay." We actually held on to that stuff until we moved. Far too long. Yeah, because I just I didn't know what to do with it. I felt bad. It was just garbage. But it was. <laughs> um, and it ended up there. Yep. And we're uh, into the green waste. So fast forward to Friday night when this same couple sees us. Circles us like sharks, and then the guy finally comes up into my face, and he says, "Hey, you remember me? You remember my face? You know my name?" Yeah. 
And he continues to go on and says, yeah, well, your wife uh, said that she was going to make, and he's pointing right at you, who's standing right next to me. And I'm just dumbfounded and by all of this. He's talking to me in my face like, you know you owe us for that, right? You know you owe us $200 for that shake. And he said shake. He said you owe us $200. For two pounds for, of shake. It wasn't, it wasn't two pounds. pounds. It wasn't even a pound. It was like two big baggies I waited out. Shake. It wasn't even a pound. So uh, he continues to kind of get up in my face and and bow up and peacock and there's another guy behind him. He's got like tattoos all over his face. He's wearing a hat and he's like scoping me out, mm-hmm. looking me up and down, like remembering what I look like. And the whole time I'm just standing there, just kind of looking at him, like he actually had his arms you, crossed, just like kind of stonewall, just like what, what are, are you gonna, gonna do? do? What are you gonna do to me right here? Go right for here. it. Yeah, just fucking do it. go for it. Too many people around. My, we have a buddy that's an ex-firefighter, military, who would probably pounce on him if he hit me or whatever. So Who is literally standing behind me watching everything. Like, and we're we, just it was just a, it was all just eyes on a very, very awkward con- uh, confrontation. And ultimately, he said, well, you know, the person that we know yeah. mutually is no longer in, in our circle. So or rather, you, now that you don't have You don't have this person protection, protecting you. Somebody's coming after you. And then he took his hand and he slapped Brandon on the shoulder and shoved him back. Mm-hmm. And I went, what the actual fuck just happened? And I did the same thing. I just kind of stood there dumbfounded for probably a good 30 seconds. So. We kind of talked about it. And our so, friend leaned yeah. in and said, we should probably did that really just happen. And we all kind of went, oh, my God. And I started shaking and I said, we need to go find a cop. And I texted Pat. Our, yeah, our, our security, our security chief. chief. I said, Pat, this just happened. What are my steps? Do I need to? And he said, go find an officer, file a report, give all the information you have. And this, I'm just going to say this fucking moron that threatened us is Facebook friends with me with his phone number on there, email addresses. Yeah. Believe me. So he's not a smart man without giving but we really can't give any more details no. about you know, we circumstances. We it's kind of like an report. open case now. So fortunately, we have somebody like Pat that we can just text and say, "Hey, what do we do?" And he's also been following along, and he he knows we we've been because we yeah. know these people. Yeah. So we can just say, and "Hey, Pat's aware of who these people are." This name, I could I could just give them their names, yeah. and that's all I needed to do. And so we did the the right thing, and we found the cop. Uh, at at the gate. So if you were out there and you saw us, <laughs> if you were gate. one of the people that said, hey. It's not because I was beating my he wife was... <laughs> and, and we were filing a report for a domestic dispute. No, this was this was because we were threatened and so. we, we felt uh, the need to go through the proper channels to get it all handled. And we, we it, stood there for a while. And fortunately, the cop was a listener, too. He knew. And he and, yeah, and, he actually knew some of the people we were referencing. <clears throat> he was understanding. And he was... <laughs> Uh, it was he was such almost a t- humored by the what the whole thing was. He was like, "You can't even do it. a cop, literally." And by the time, by the way, the whole thing, we were legal. Yeah, we had I had a we license, had no restrictions. What's we were legal? And again, this was four or five years ago. Well, it was like four and a half years so ago. So it's all hearsay at this point. It is, but the threat is real, right? And so, it just I'm angry because he's taken a little piece of my mind. I'm mine too, and I'm I'm it's, angry. It's it's caused like a, a paranoia. Brandon's been having nightmares every night. I, I've 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 at the at the Tahoe Blue Bloody Mary contest. That was nerve wracking. It was nerve wracking. I I you know what was happening because we went to we finally got pizza. <laughs> 
we did. We went we to pizza for part. breakfast. Yeah, because so we, when we rode our, our scooters over to the Heavenly Village that the night before the Bloody Mary contest, we were going there to go to base camp pizza. There was a lot of people. And it was it was an hour and 40 minute wait for two yeah, people. Yeah, so we just we left. There. So that's why we went to the Italian restaurant. Which was great, by the way, Isab- uh, Isabella. <clears throat> so we tried the next day before it was like we were going to create that base layer before we went to the bloody mary contest yeah. so we went we went actually went to base camp pizza in heavenly village for lunch mm-hmm. slash breakfast um, brunch, brunch i guess and it was amazing great fucking pizza yeah just, um, so don't go there on a saturday night yeah but while <laughs> but while we were at uh at base camp pizza it was like an hour before we had to be mm-hmm. at the event I, I was having a panic attack. Yeah. And we were sitting outside and people were walking by the whole the, time. The, the crowd. I like, felt vulnerable. Yeah, it was the crowd and it was the the thought of, well, I, I went to this event, this mm-hmm. concert, and I was surrounded by people I know, but still this thing happened. And yeah. So my thought was, well, what if they're there too? You know, like I, I know it was like... The odds of that happening are so minuscule, but, but it's but not. It was it a real is Tahoe. It was a real thought that came through my mind, yeah. and and while I, I like I I was kind of like breathing heavy, and I just felt super super anxious, and I never have panic attacks, but I think I was having a panic attack. Well, and your back when we first sat down, your back was to kind of like the whole crowd and everything, and I said, "Why yeah. don't you come sit over here on this side of me? There's more of a view." And <sighs> didn't really, being, didn't really, didn't really help. It seemed to relax you physically, <laughs> but like he was like ready to go. Oh, yeah. And then we yeah. got to the event, we pulled in and we parked and we just kind of sat there for a minute. And he was just like, I'm not going to lie. I'm really anxious because we were going from that, the last experience at a public event being threatened straight to another public, straight event. to another public event. And there was, it wasn't like we could just be like, we can't go because we're scared we had an obligation to be there. And yeah. I had a commitment that I made to Matt. And, and once we got out. I reminded and, him we're going to be surrounded. We had friends joining us. Yeah, we so, were going to be surrounded by friends and listeners. And Matt was there and nobody whole, was going to let anything happen to him. That whole recipe there. It was it was good. And once we connected with Matt before we went in, it, it like made it bearable. Like well, I, I got we, my grounding and everything was it good. It took a minute to get like connected with Matt and people. And so we were kind of just standing out there kind of alone waiting. And that made him feel even kind of more vulnerable and yeah. nervous. And I said, okay, let's just keep moving. Let's go stand at the back of the line until we get a hold of Matt or, and, and, you and, know, let's go to the car or whatever. And and when I got in, like, even when we got into the event, I, I, I saw them. Like I, I would always see people that like kind of resembled them. Yeah. He was, it was like, and my mind went right to, oh, paranoia. That's, that's them. And, but obviously it wasn't, <laughs> but it was just a, it was just a, a fear that I had. And, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid, but, and I, and I said the fear that I had, but I, I, I'm not afraid. I'm more paranoid. Yeah. It's not fear. It's paranoia. Because I've never had something like this happen to me Mm-mm. before out of nowhere, completely, you know, seemingly an innocent situation that yeah. could have been handled in a much more civil way years ago. Years ago, uh, there, it, this is like a breakdown in communication that never happened, and and n- yeah, never happened. And they've created this delusional reality. And he's an they're unreasonable people. No, they're unreasonable. There's I no reason with people. Like so this. it's like he's only gonna believe his <clears throat> own truth. So be careful out there when yeah. you when you're when you're hanging out with people. Keep keep your be weary keep of your friends guard, of friends. Keep your guard up with, for for toxic people. Sometimes you can be fooled, uh, and I think in this case we were kind of fooled. 
Yeah. To, to think that these were good genuinely people. good people, kind. And, uh, you know, at some, at one point I think they were, but, uh, I don't think they ever were. I think just, that we just saw one side of them and that's the side they wanted us to see. Just don't take, don't take a shake from yeah. random people. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't exchange that kind of stuff with people that you don't yeah. trust or you don't know. Cause it could create problems. I don't want anybody else to be put in a situation like this. That would just be awful. And it, I feel it, really responsible for it, but yeah. it really wasn't, it was sort of like it got dumped on us at, at that point. Yeah, and then and then this whole situation just got dumped on us here too. And it, so. it it felt like it got dumped on us because it wasn't long after that. I think he ran into possession issues. These people know how to contact us. They, they oh, yeah. There's no reason why it needed it ever needed to escalate to this no, level. No, they could have reached out at any point and said, "Hey, what's up with that?" Yeah. And I could have said, "Hey, this is what's going on," but you know, there's there's more to it. Yeah. But the saddest part is we really barely know these people mm -hmm. and for them to have taken a small piece of us right now is giving them way too much power. And I'm angry about that and I'm trying to take it back. feels good to talk it out, though. It does. And I've been doing my research. Have you? I have. I've good. been doing a lot of looking into. Good. So, um, you know, like I said, we've we've covered our bases. We are uh, we are armed. That's I have true. several guns placed around the house. We have they our defense. don't know where we live. We have our defense system set up. And we have two large dogs. And yeah. I actually think you'd be more scared of my attack cat, Ellie, though. <laughs> <laughs> she will fuck you up. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for letting us air that dirty laundry. Yeah. It was kind of a somber I, end. To the... I do have to say, whether you would have supported us or not to the maggot army out there, that was my excuse to keep Brandon calm. I was like, nobody's going to let anything happen to you. Our our people are around us. So, yeah, I'm not, I thank you. <laughs> I'm not too, I'm not too afraid. No, but we've, uh, we've, you know, we felt pretty safe around the listeners. We were around at Tahoe in the, in Tahoe and, and in general. Yeah. I, I just know that, I know that we're, we're in good hands and yeah. you just got to be careful out there. Cause any, any one of these types of psychos can, can pop up in your life and you just got to be prepared. Yeah. But don't be afraid. Don't be paranoid. Don't let it, don't let it steal you. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you for sitting through this. And, uh, I hope that, I hope that you report back on the family. Let me know what you think about that. Cause that I show fucking creeps me out. It's creepy. I'm and, not allowed to talk about it on here because you guys, mm -mm, no. so, uh, you've got your homework. Let me know what you think. Write us in rad at radradio.com and also join us on the broadcast group for all you prod heads out there. Go to Facebook, type in the search bar, Rad Podcast, P-R-O-D-C-A-S-T, and let's have a good time. Until then, namaste, bitches. The Rad 